If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn them to the book of Psalms, chapter 35. And as you turn to Psalms 35, I just want to talk to you as we get into this new series in the month of February on how to have relationships and how to have the right relationships and to make sense out of those relationships. So today's message is how you can have a sensible understanding of God when it comes to resources. And we've titled this message today, money making sense. In other words, you having a sense and understanding how to make sense out of your money. In Psalms 35, verse 27, it says, Let them ever shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God takes pleasure in our prosperity. So we can go out and help, so we can go out and feed, so we can open up facilities like the Lord's Gym and all the other things we do around the world and all that you do in your day-to-day -day life. So God wants to make sense out of your money and your resources to expand the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Lord, let words from a man today, let them fall to the ground. Let every word that comes from Joey Stillman out of his own flesh, out of his own understanding, let them fall to the ground. But every word that comes forth from you, let it penetrate our hearts and activate us to change and to be the difference makers. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor on the left and say, 2020's been good to you. Turn to the neighbor on the right and say, hi. You'll get that later. But I want to encourage you today as, uh, as, you, as you get ready to buckle in for the word of the Lord. We have something every day in Oasis Church. You have the Lord's Gym City Center. We're starting, uh, we have Monday morning prayer uh, every, every Monday. There's prayer at 7 a.m. We have Tuesday Bible studies for women uh, right here in the sanctuary. Pastor Marie's launching Tuesday night Bible studies this Wednesday, or excuse me, that uh, Tuesday night here uh, at, the, at the church here for women. The men with Brother Sam are at the Lord's Gym at 6.30 for the men. So Tuesday night, women here at the church and also Lord's Gym City Center for the men at 6.30. We also have Common Ground Youth on Thursdays. Be ready, more things are coming and we're gonna collaborate everybody together as we get moving here of what God's doing. So I wanna encourage you that and honor that you're here today. Before the big game, some people are already home cooking stuff, roasting stuff getting ready for the party, but you're already celebrating the good news of Jesus. I love that. I really do. So I thought this message would be so fitting because I don't want to, I, I, I just, I do the opposite of what churches do. A lot of times churches come and so they'll do a Super Bowl Sunday and they'll say, wear your jersey and they'll, they'll, they'll do a talk on winning. But I thought, let me do a talk on money. Let me really, really settle it in because many people, they need to make sense out of, their, out of their life and out of their finances. I read last week in a USA Today article where one of those political candidates spent $100 million on political ads. This billionaire, Michael Bloomberg, running for president, has spent out of his own wealth $100 million for political ads that nobody cares about. 
that nobody even thinks twice about because it's already baked in and people already make up their minds. I think about the Super Bowl ads, 6 million, 10 million, the, the money per minute that they're trying to get your attention so you buy something to make sense out of why you need to purchase something. So I thought about how to have a Super Bowl winning life is really you being making sense out of your money. So you would have common sense and kingdom ability because I believe the greatest financial tax on the planet is the word of God. I believe that and I believe that Jesus sets the course and the pattern for us to live in that kingdom experience each and every day. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus gave us 38 parables in the New Testament. Parables are parallels of, of what he wants to get across to his listeners and his audience. And out of the 38 parables that he gave, 16 of them are dealing with possessions. They're dealing with how you can make sense of your possessions, to have common sense. How many of you know common sense is not that common in this day in which we live? A lot of people don't have common sense. They don't have any sense at all. So I think that's important. And it's very important in the scriptures how to live a kingdom life when it comes to our possessions, our life, our day-to-day -day life, and our spiritual inheritance. Because many people, they throw their spiritual inheritance away. I want you to realize something today. This is important. 500 verses in the Bible are on prayer. There are over 500 verses on faith. But do you know 2,000 verses in the Bible deal with money management? Therefore, this is a major topic in the mind of God. So let me just begin by setting a ground level here. I want to take a little slower thought process this morning because you have to really gravitate and listen and lean in of what I'm sharing. But it's God's will. You have to establish it. It's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for you to prosper. Many times Christians act like it, they, they don't know what God's will is over certain areas of their life. But you have to realize it's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for you to be healing, for you to be whole and healthy, for not to have sickness in your body. Many denominations and theological misunderstandings teach, well, maybe it's God's will that you live in sickness so you can get closer to God. But Jesus already established at the cross that he bore it and he carried our sickness and disease away. The book of Isaiah says that. So it is God's will for you to be healthy. It is God's will for you to be whole. It is God's will for you to be prosperous and be an overcomer. Can I get a witness this morning? It's true. It's God's will. All of you are children of the king this morning, and it's the father's good pleasure to give you his inheritance, to give you his resources. Think about Genesis 13 too. The Bible says that Abraham was a man mighty in wealth and in cattle, gold and silver. Now, I don't know about you, but even gold, cattle and silver to today's standards means you have substance, you have resources. So what God is saying in effect is Abraham, not only did he have spiritual clout, but he had things, monetary clout. He had things to give out. He was mighty in wealth, not just spiritually, but he had cattle, he had gold, he had silver. Last time I checked, those things are still valuable. They're very valuable this day and age. How about Deuteronomy 8.18? It is the Lord who gives us power to get 
wealth, God's ability. How about Joshua 1 and 8? This book of the law, it's God's word, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but it'll make your way prosperous and bring you and I good success. Success is important because God wants us to be successful people, not broke down people, not, not shutting up people, not people that can't get along and can't get through life, but successful people. How about Psalms 1? You ever read Psalms chapter 1? That, that the Bible tells us that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sitter, uh, sinner, or sit in the seat of the what? Scornful. But he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How about 1 John 3, chapter 2? Beloved, I wish of all things, 3 John, that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I gave all those scriptures to you this morning, not to show you how amazing I am, and I am amazing. Not to show you that, but if, if, if all those scriptures tell us that wealth is bad for us, and all those scriptures tell us that God wants us to have wealth and, and have an elevated lifestyle, if it was bad, if wealth was bad, and some, some people think that inherently in what they've been taught from another, from another place, they think, man, wealth is not good. It'll get you prideful, get you puffed up, and it won't make you successful. If wealth is bad for you, then why would God give it to his son? Revelation 5, verse 12, this is the blessing that God gave to his son. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive what? Power, to receive what? Riches, to receive what? Wisdom, to receive what? Strength, glory, and blessing. Sevenfold, that means completion in the scriptures, to give us the riches of heaven God gave to his son. Jesus said it this way, whoever forsakes houses and lands for my sake, listen, he'll reap a hundredfold in this life and the life to come. So how do you cross that spiritual boundary if God says, I'll give it to you now and I'll give it to you later? Remember, he controls it on both sides of the Jordan. He says, I'll give you prosperity now and I can give you prosperity later if you will trust and put your hope in me. Do you know Jesus did something amazing? He captures people's attentions with stories. He captures people's attentions by talking about treasure, by talking about how to have, how to have a abundance because people in those days they had anything but that so he knew how to captivate an audience he knew how to capture people's attention Jesus captured them by speaking about that treasure the pearl of great price a hundredfold return on investment financial freedom how many of you this morning would like to have absolute financial freedom let me see your hands God bless all of you. Now, there's no other topic misunderstood than this message of teaching on freedom in the area of kingdom principles and elevating principles. Misunderstanding does something. It destroys your legacy. It destroys your kingdom ability. It destroys your success in every venture. Do you know everything that God does, he does with a simple principle called seed time and harvest. It's important because the Bible says as earth endures, as earth remains, Genesis 8, 22, seed time and harvest will never cease. Consider the spiritual realm. How did Jesus get here? Seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that seed of the woman being Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. That would be Satan. Jesus Christ came because of a seed that was sown into the planet earth through the womb of the Virgin Mary. Now think about that. 
Demons tremble at the mention of Jesus' name. Why? Because God planted that seed in that woman. Now we have salvation. Now we have healing. Now we have deliverance. Now we have the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have love. We have joy. We have peace. We have the goodness of God, the victory over this world, over anything that comes our way. We have Jesus, the one and only. Aren't you glad today? Now consider the physical realm. How did you get here? Some of you didn't take biology class, but I can give you a start. Your mama and your daddy had a milkshake apart from the table. They joined straws, and then a little while later, Marvin Gaye began to play. And then nine months later, here you came. Isn't that neat? I think so. Let's consider the financial realm. The Bible says give, Luke 6.38. That means plant your seed and it shall be given back unto you. There's something within people when they hear this message, when they live by the principles of this world that shudders and shrinks back. And if there's something in you that does that, that something in you needs to be broken today because everything that God controls gives. Giving is the proof that the cancer of this world and the greed of this world does not consume our soul. Think about that. Everything that God controls gives everything. The sun gives light. Clouds give rain. Jesus was given by God. God gave his son. His son Jesus gave his life. The disciples gave their life. What are you and I giving to the kingdom of God? What shall we give to the kingdom of God? Think about that. What is our life representation in the kingdom of God? What we say, God, I want these things from you. I want you to give me houses I didn't build, vineyards I didn't plant, wells I didn't dig. And God says, okay, I have all those things for you, but what are you going to give back unto me? What's the it in the verse out of Luke 6, 38? Give and it shall be given back unto you. I think the it is a very important topic because the it is what you plant. If you plant apple seeds, guess what you get? Apples. If you plant peaches, you get peaches. If you plant finances, you get finances. The it is really a reproduction of the seed that you are planting. And to the degree that you plant is the degree that you receive. Oh, I like that. To the degree that you plant is to the degree that you receive. Because that's what it's all about. The Bible is not a book primarily about giving. The Bible is a book about receiving. Receiving divine health, receiving wholeness, receiving the gifts of the Spirit, receiving love, joy, peace, receiving forgiveness, then giving out those things which you receive from the Lord. The Bible says, whatever a man or woman sows, that shall he reap. That's seed time and harvest. That's important because you and I have to become seed conscience and never need conscience. Because if you spend your life from one need to another, you'll never have kingdom living and kingdom principles. It's like when you sow wild oats and you pray for crop failure. How many of you know you're going to get what you sowed out? You're going to reap what you sowed. You can't go home and sow all types of crazy things and say, God, give me crop failure. God says, no, it's coming up. But how you deal with it is going to be up to you. You hear people say often, well, I don't have any friends. Joey, I, I come to church. I just come in. I sit down. I, I go to work. And I don't have any friends. Consider seed time and harvest. If you invested in someone else's friendship, you'll develop a friendship of your own. You can't go around looking irritated at everyone and everybody. If you want to show yourself friendly, how about smiling, talking to somebody, listening to what they have to say back to you? 
igniting hope in them. The Bible says, if you want a friend, show yourself friendly. One of the problems with Stockton, and there are many, but one of them is everybody goes around mad-dogging everybody. Looking like they're all puffed up down here, looking like they're riding on ostrich sticks. Everybody, and, and, if they, and if they don't look like they don't want to be bothered, they're looking away. Nobody will look at anybody in the eyes anymore. And I don't mean in the eyes of disrespect, but just look at somebody eyeball to eyeball. I went to the doctor last week, and I had uh, some things on my face. I had some sun blotches removed, and, and I, I was talking to the doctors, and the, the nurse was there. Jennifer was with me, and Jennifer said, you're so friendly. I said, I know, aren't I? And they were taken back by me because they're not really used to people, especially a guy, being engaging and being friendly to them. And they were kind of taken back by my demeanor. And I was trying out jokes. You know, I was thinking about making some jokes for you. And so I was trying it out on them. I was trying to see if this joke worked. And it was dead. So I didn't bring them to you today because they weren't laughing at the hospital. <laughs> but anyway, I, I try to show myself friendly. And so should you. So think about this. Because how do you make sense out of your day-to-day -day life? How do, you, how do you let your money make sense? You have to realize that givers always gain. You often hear people, and I think this is such a misconception. If I could teach you anything today that has any weight and any worth, you have to give with expectancy. Because many times people, they love God, they love the Lord, they're, they're, they're excited about God, and they give, and they, they don't expect anything in return. And then they use their words to their own detriment by saying, I'm giving this, and I don't expect anything back. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's biblical. The Bible says, give, Luke 6, 38, and it shall be given back unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. That's a four-way gain. So it's good measure. It's pressed down. It's shaking over. How about that verse of Scripture? So every time God gives you and I opportunity to sow a seed and to give opportunity to, to give, he's given us opportunity to increase. And you should realize that. If God's given me an opportunity, then he's given me an opportunity for increase. If God wants me to do something, then I'm going to have the opportunity for increase in my life. So you shouldn't take it as, you know, I'm just giving this and I'm not expecting anything in return. No, you should expect something in return. And you should say, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I'm expecting you to give it back unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I like that. Listen to Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. Again, I'm going slowly on purpose because I want this to seek in. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and the seed fell on good ground and brought forth fruit. The scriptures say some 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's an amazing return on investment. That's a 10,000% gain, a hundredfold. That's an enormous gain. Wall Street can't match that. Your IRAs can't match that. Your 401ks will never match that. And here's what happens. When you talk about giving in church, when you talk about these things, people start saying, Joey, I'm so far back financially, I'll never catch up. That's why I don't honor God in the giving. That's why I love God. I want to help. And then they say things, and they mean well, like, if I win the lottery, if I win the lottery, if God gave you a million dollars, why would he trust you with it if he can't trust you with the thousand dollars? If I win the lottery, I'm going to pay the church off, I'm going to pay the gym off, and I'm going to send you on a vacation. And I think, you're such a liar. We'll never see you again. 
all I'll see is Instagram pictures and you in Maui on some crazy boat. Stockton what? Uh-huh. But think about this. When people say that, they always say things like, I'm so far back financially, I, I can't give. I can't catch up. But that's not true. Listen to the scripture here. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. God is able to make it up to you and give you everything you need and more. So you'll not only have enough to, for your need, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. That's going to take a miracle for some people, but God's in the miracle business. God is able to give joyfully back unto you. Think about that. God's willing, God's able, he'll make it up to you. He'll give it back to you, what you lost in that bankruptcy. He'll make it back unto you, what you lost in that bad biz business venture. He'll give back to you what you lost in that unemployment time. He'll give it back to you. The only hope of catching up is planting your seed in the kingdom of God and letting God bring forth the harvest. But you have to do it because you have to expect return, but you have to plant that seed. God's not going to plant the seed for you. You have to plant that seed and then expect the increase. There's a time to plant, the Ecclesiastic says, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. The fact is without seed time, you will never have a harvest time. Many churches are called harvest time. I used to go to a church and preach called harvest time. And, and I would think to myself, what type of seeds are they planting to, to say a name called harvest time? What type of seeds as a ministry, as a church, are they planting in their community? What type of seeds and what type of ground are they, are they sowing that in? Where, where are they putting that? You know, God can give you increase of a hundredfold, but zero times zero equals what? Listen to the book of John, chapter 12, verse 24. It says, I say unto you, except a seed of corn fall to the ground, it abideth alone and does no good. In other words, it, 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 until it's planted, it has no benefit. So you have to do your part. You have to plant that seed. Many people want miracles, and they'll even go to church services where the pastor will talk about miracles coming to them, miracles in this area, miracles in that area, but the miracles in your finances will not come until you do your part and plant that seed. You have to plant that seed. Do you know there are three things you can do with that seed that God gives you? You can eat it, you can feed it to the livestock, or you can plant it. And you do need to eat some of it. And you do need to feed some of it to the livestock. They're called teenagers. <laughs> you need to, and they eat you out of house and home. Women, men, it doesn't matter. And after you feed them, then you have to have some to plant. And you plant it. You'll have no chance of increase until you plant it. And when you plant it, God miraculously causes it to multiply. He causes it to do supernaturally things that you cannot do on your own. And people say, well, Joey, I don't have anything to give. I had a wonderful man. He's not in the service. He's an usher. He's, he's in the next service. And he says, Pastor, I, I got to tell you, I, I love ushering. I've never ushered before. First church I've ever ushered in. I go, oh, that's great. He says, I got to tell you, the bucket goes by and people act like they put stuff in. Like, I'm going to be like, who are they? <laughs> Show me who they are. I'm like, oh, well, you know, they're losing out on a blessing. I, you know, I'm trying to encourage him, saying, Dave, don't force them. He's like, I want to force them. I'm like, no, nah, don't force them. Don't go rogue on them. But often you hear people say, well, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. 
I have nothing to give. I've got all these things going, and I have nothing to give to God. But that's not scripturally true. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, God gives seed to the farmer to plant, and he'll give you more and more seed to plant, and he'll make it grow up, and you'll give more and more away the fruit of your harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Some of you are saying, well, I don't understand how God's economy works. You'll never understand it, silly. Your ways and God's ways are not the same. You will not understand it, but you have to realize it's God's will for you to prosper. The man, the woman who plants seed in the kingdom of God, who joins that, they join in partnership with God. That means my life, my home, my business, my work, my children. When I plant seed, now I'm in partnership with God. And I'm in, but so often when you hear pastors say that because people have been so desensitized by worldly observation, they've they've been so desensitized by mismanagement of, of church and people that they think the pastor wants it for himself. He just wants it for himself. I had a guy years ago told me, Joey, I love you. I bet you love that the church is growing. I said, yeah, it's fantastic. He says, yeah, more money for you. And I said, what do you mean more money for me? I'm like in the back going, one for the church, two for me. One, two, three for the church, one, two, three for me. It doesn't work that way. If you know anything about ministry and integrity, the more that goes in, the more you do out to reach more lost people. That's how a church works. But it all of us works together and not said idly by because you need to be blessed. You need to be prosperous. You don't need to be marginalized and desensitized and take offense to what God wants to do. You need to accept it and embrace it. But you have to do your part. you got to expect gain. you got to plant seed. And then you must start to tithe. A tithe is 10% of your income. I read a statistic the other day, and it said 50% of churches across America have declined 50% in giving all over over America because people stopped tithing. People stopped tithing. And they said the people that do tithe, they don't tithe 10% anymore. They only tithe 2%. So what's the point? God didn't tell you to tithe 2. He told you to tithe 10. 10% of what you make. 10%. You know why? God says that's first fruits. First fruits. First fruits are important because first fruits means priority. The first fruits means God gets first place in my life. Why do we have church on Sunday? Because it's the first day of the week. It's what we celebrate when we celebrate God. I give you the first part of my week. When you get up in the morning, you should be praying and talking to God. God, I give you the first part of my day. So I have have 10 volunteers. I mean, uh, I was going to say victims, but they're good volunteers. We'll bring them up. Can I have my 10 volunteers come on up here? Give my volunteers a wonderful round of applause. There's volunteer number one. Our Jennifer is not my volunteer. She's my, she's my servant. Come on over here. Come on over here. I want you to line up. I'm going to give you a wonderful illustration there that I think you'll understand. Just line up next to one another. Wide there. Fantastic. Give them a round of applause. Look at these young men of God. I even talking about Mike. I have 10 wonderful people and I have gifts, Jennifer, if you'll give to these 10. And then Jennifer will give you the canvas and then I got something better for you. What these wonderful volunteers have this morning, they have the cares of life that every month, every week, 
these things got to be taken care of. We have animal care because we love our animals. We have entertainment. We have phone because we have to talk on the phone. We have cable TV. We have credit cards. We have car payments. He eats a lot, you can see. Groceries. He's a lightning bolt of electricity. Their parents are trying to get these boys out of the house. This is rent. And this is church. Now, I've received $1,000 a month. And what I have here, this is my money. You do not leave the stage until you give it back. Here's $100. Here's $100 for that rent. Here's $100 for that payment of electricity. You don't need to. You'll get $100. We're putting you on a fast. We're going to give you a late car, Brother Pablo. We're holding your shop in Raquel. We can't shop that much. We want you to have the basic package. Flip phone for you. We'll leave you alone. Poodle hair cutting. I've just received $1,000, and I need to take care of my stuff. But the problem is, if I take care of this first and these things first, and I get down the line here to number 10, a lot of times this is not available anymore because this has gone away because he's expensive. He's running things that should be after five o'clock. He's eating us out of house and home. He's got crazy cars. He's got like Escalades and things like that, Mercedes. She's got a spending problem. I'm teasing, not you. You've got like 57,000 channels. Your phone bill is, you're calling NASA. I don't know what's happening. You just keep going to the movies, don't you? How many pets do you need? And you see what happens is we do all these things and there's a problem because God says there needs to be food in my storehouse. He says, you test me in this. And what happens is many of God's people, they fall short because they do not put this first. And this is not a religious exercise. This is a spiritual principle of life living. And they do not put this first. They, they love God. They're, they're willing to serve God. They're willing to do all these things, but because of the cares of the world and because these things always escalate, they always increase. And God says, I don't even need you to increase the 10. All you need to do is obey me because I'll stretch the 90 more than I'll ever stretch the 100. I'll stretch the 90. Because when you start paying the credit card and you start paying the rent and you start paying the house payment and you start paying all those things first, you're saying to God, you come after everything else. You say, well, I don't mean that, but you're doing that. And the church is a result of that. And I don't just mean our church, the church as a whole across America are, are bleeding the results of it because people won't have the courage to get up there and tell the congregation to obey God and do what the word says. And you can either take it on or take it off, but it's really your choice. Because what you're saying is, this is my priority. 
I'm storing up treasures in heaven. And not only am I storing up in heaven, I'm going to now, this is going to last me a lot longer because I've honored God and I have put him first. Do you receive that this morning? Would you give our volunteers a great big round of applause? I need my money back. Thank you. Thank you. You may not have that. She needs it for the credit card payment. No, you don't. Thank you. Give our wonderful volunteers a round of applause. Go ahead, volunteers. You can go down. How many of you can see a simple principle coming to life? How many of you know that that requires faith? That requires faith. Because it doesn't matter how much money you have. God settled it across the board. A tenth is a tenth. Whether you make $1,000 or a $1 million a month, God's economy and equality is the same. You're to honor me with that first fruit. You see, that's the first fruits. And if I don't give God what belongs to him first, I'm saying to God, other things matter before you. I love you, but God understands. And God says, I do understand. But the problem is you don't understand. God says, I understand, but you don't understand. My word doesn't change. And you need to live by my word. Some say, Joey, you expect me to give 10% of my income to God? No, I don't, but God does. I'm in sales. He's in management. If I were you, I wouldn't take him off. He controls your breath. He controls your next heartbeat. He controls your mother-in-law moving in. I wouldn't upset him if I were you. Listen to this scripture. Many of you have never even heard this scripture, but I want to read it to you in closing. Leviticus 27, 30, all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. There's an important principle of that. And it's not just for the Jewish people. It's for all of God's people. That, that 10 never belonged to you. It never belonged to you. It belonged to God. And because you belong to God. And God says, I know how to do your life better than you. I know how to provide for you better than you. I know how to make a way that you do not know a way. I know how to do it. So put me in a priority of top floor, first place, and watch what I can do when you put me first. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. God says, test me in this. The only place in scripture where he says, test me and see if I will pour out a, a spirit, a window of blessing upon you, a spirit of overcoming, a spirit of overwhelming goodness, overwhelming grace, overwhelming joy, overwhelming Jesus. If I don't pour it out on you and give you blessings that you cannot contain. I think that's important because God says, I'm gonna rebuke the devourer for your sake. To live an overflowed life, you got to settle this basic principle. And for the church to do what it needs to do, you've got to engage this principle. Or we can't do what, you're, what God's calling us to do. If you just come and attend and think it's not somebody else's responsibility, it's not going to make a difference in this community because you're going to hold it hostage because you matter. You say, I determine the size of my harvest by the seed that I sow? Yes, you do. You determine it. As a matter of fact, how many of you would agree that prosperity is better than poverty? I've had both. She told you the little sad story of being in the line as a little boy, receiving that food from a church. I don't like that. And I didn't like the way that made me feel. 
And I didn't like the way it made my mother feel as she got into her friend's car because we didn't have a car and drove us there. And she cried her little eyes out because she felt so unworthy of receiving that food. And I remember her saying, it was never supposed to be this way. And I, I think to myself as a grown man, yeah, she's right. My dad should have stepped up to the plate and been a man and took that family to church and made that a priority with God instead of doing his own way and his own life and everybody was affected by it. Your prosperity, friends, gives God pleasure. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. But you have to put it in good ground. You can't just give it all to these commercials, these $10 billion of commercials and advertisement because they want your resources. They want your time. You've got to put it in good ground. Good ground scripturally is the kingdom of God. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where your treasures is, there your heart is. We know many of people's hearts because of how they give. And think about this. Once you do that, you got to wait for the harvest. you got to wait for God to bring it to pass. Do not be weary in well-doing. Wait for that harvest. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Be not slothful. That means lazy. But followers through that which is faith and patience, they inherit this promise. So if you sowed that $100 today, that $10 a day, don't just expect a blessing before you get in the parking lot. Say, God, I'm going to wait on you to bring it to pass because a lack of patience will kill your harvest. Murmuring and complaining and tail-bearing will destroy what God has for you. And as we finish out this message today, once you realize that you matter to God and God matters to you and he wants you to elevate your life, then you place your, your seed into God's hands. And you say, God, if you can provide for 15,000 with five barley loaves and two small fishes, you can provide for me and my family. If you can provide for that widow woman and her son in a, dram, in a famine and a drought, and there was bread, and there was the crews of oils were filled up, and the meal barrel was constantly full because it was put into the right hands. God, if I put it into your hands, then you're gonna multiply it. You're gonna press it down, you're gonna shake it together, and you're gonna run it over. And if you live your life by those principles, you watch out, miracles will happen. If we can just get all the church to agree that God's ways are better than our ways, we will have revival in our homes, in our churches, and in our city. Okay.